Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner of the break. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow. For SB Live Sports, conversations with experts throughout the world of athletics. Today's is someone who is one of the most recognizable names in all of grassroots basketball on the girls' side from the Northwest and FBC Northwest Alliance, Nars Martinez. Nars, I know we have a lot of common friends in the basketball world and in the Pacific Northwest, but nice to finally meet you and have a conversation about grassroots basketball. How's life? Uh, life is good, man. I'm I'm back in the gym and doing what I love to do and been traveling around the country this spring and summer doing the girls basketball thing. And so um, I'm definitely excited to uh, be back doing that and, and to be able to talk with you as well. Being back in the gym is, is a special thing for me. I, I love getting a chance to be in the gym, whether it's coaching my son's group, whether it's watching high school basketball, whether it's running clinics. Um, where did that passion for the game occur for you? Was it at a young age or did something w- it spark in you when you were kind of transitioning out of that quote unquote playing age um, to your next phase of a career? Where did that love for the game be sparked for you? Uh, it started really young. My brothers all played basketball and uh, my dad was actually a professional boxer and trainer, but we just grew up loving basketball. So my brother is Jake Bettinger and he played his high school basketball as well as I did at South Kitsap High School in Port Orchard, Washington. And uh, then he went on to play at Eastern Washington University in uh, the 2004 kind of time frame. And so um, we just grew up playing basketball and we made the hour drive over to Seattle three, four, five times a week, um, do, trying to get the best basketball training and um, play on the best teams. And so um, just kind of grew up in, in the Seattle basketball scene. And obviously we have a strong culture. So that's how I got into it. The Seattle basketball scene is one of the best in all the country. Um, you know, and it starts from an early age with a lot of really good programs at the AAU level, both boys and girls, and then kind of going up into that kind of uh, evaluation period era age teams with Seattle Rotary, Washington Supreme, uh, Friends of Hoop. And I know there's a lot of really good ones on the girls side as well. You now are more focused on the girls side because you're a scout, you're an evaluator, you're a program director. Can you give us a feel for um, Northwest basketball on the club side for girls? Yeah, uh, girls basketball is probably a lot more overlooked than the boys side nowadays with national media, which is honestly a a really big shame. And it's one of my biggest goals is to try to change that. Um, I think one of the biggest hurdles just being that um, 
men's basketball gets a lot more media attention in general, of course, but there's a lot of NBA players, men that come back and they do such an amazing job of, of giving back to the youth boys that are coming up through the scene. Um, kind of with the home team type of, uh, you know, network. And we don't really have anything like that on the girl side, which is unfortunate, but uh, the grassroots scene is strong. Um, I mean, we send more girls to the division one level because I've done scouting and evaluations on the boys side as well for several years. Um, not anymore, just focusing on girls, but we send more girls to the division one level, sometimes two times as many um, than we do on the boys side. And that's that's overlooked and it's unfortunate. But um, I mean, we're we're pumping out some talent. So, yeah, that is something that without kind of having the numbers right in front of you as a kind of a, maybe a passive fan or, or someone who's somewhat interested in high school sports in the Northwest wouldn't understand and recognize myself with my work for for SB Live. You know, I, I, I cover the guys side closer than I do the girls, but I keep an eye on it. Mm -hmm. But there's been some really big-time players coming out of the state as of recently. You, you think of Haley Van Lith, um, mm -hmm. in particular from Kashmir, who was a McDonald's All-American, had a tremendous freshman season at, at Louisville. Um, when you look at talent in the state, is there uh, a couple names over maybe the past five to ten years that really stand out for you on the girls' side as they move into women's college basketball? Yeah, uh, there's been a lot, a lot more than a couple, but – Haley Van Lith definitely stands out. Um, I was able to, um, I like to say, sit on the bench while she was out doing her thing. I didn't have a role in her development, but, you know, I was coaching in the club program that she played for and, and was an assistant on that team. Um, we play second at nationals. So she was always a real special talent. Just really her work ethic set her apart. I've been around some really good um, boys and girls basketball players. I mean, her work ethic is right up there with the Zach Levine type, um, you know, uh, on the boy side, uh, she was a really special one. I think the whole twins who everybody knows about from central Valley high school, they had one of the, if not the best run in in all of uh, girls basketball in the state of Washington. Those are a few that have really stood out for me. Yeah. The, the whole sisters here in Spokane, which is where I'm based uh, I've lived for almost nine years. I understand you live on this side of the state now as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Freddie Rico was their high school coach. Um, right. He was, a, he was a contributor to to a lot of our efforts at SB Live before he went back into high school coaching. He had some tremendous um, stories and kind of experiences to share with their work ethic, their ability to understand the game and then impact right. the game, both skill-wise and leadership-wise. It was It was really impressive to hear. When you as an evaluator are looking at a tournament and you're having to look at uh, hundreds of uh, possible college prospects, what are some of the things that stand out in your eyes that maybe the average parent or the average player doesn't realize that that is something that is very important? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, I mean, you can talk about the skill, the size and athleticism, which is usually, I think, pretty easy to evaluate. But one of the big things that I really um, try to hone in on with players in my FBC program and, and just even when I'm evaluating in general is their body language, um, their facial expressions, how they interact with their teammates, what they're doing when they're not in the game, how engaged they are. And I know that... Um, speaking with a lot of the top college programs around the country, 
they're also looking at those types of things because college rosters, they have 15 scholarships and the majority of programs are only playing six, seven, eight players max. So the whole rest of them are all sitting on the bench and they want people that are, that are going to have, uh, you know, good characteristics, good qualities about them as a teammate and as a person. So those are things that I look at after they make a bad play. How do they react to that? Are they slouching their shoulders and walking back? Are they watching or are they sprinting back and trying to get the ball back? And I, I think there's something to be said for that. And uh, I, I would put that in the realm of kind of mental toughness. It's how they are able to deal with situations where um, things don't go perfect because they never do. So those are things that I look for that I think that maybe stand out different from the average person watching. You mentioned the, the things that are easy that any coach can or, or parent fan can, can realize that a player is head and shoulders above. Um, but many times it's the, it's the best coaches that can differentiate the kind of unseen characteristics that you're talking about. Um, when you look at the college coaches that you've come across in your time of coaching and evaluating talent, which coaches stand out to you as, as far as on the women's college basketball side, kind of have the whole package of recruiting, evaluating, uh, player development, as well as uh, team building? I got a role. Um, I mean, there's there's several amazing coaches all throughout the country. No slight at anybody. But um, speaking to the West Coast, I think that Stanford obviously does an amazing job. And it's their whole staff with Tara Vanderbeer and uh, Katie Pay and all those people that have been there a really long time. Um, because I know that they're one of those staffs that they're looking at more than just the size, athleticism and natural ability. They are looking at the character and, and the type of student and person that they are because they have a culture. So um, I think that any program that has a really strong culture, it it stands out and it's it's really easy to see. Um, I think um, Coach Lisa over here at Gonzaga has done a pretty dang good job, too, um, with her player development and uh, um, recruiting the type of kids that fit into their system. Um, so those are a couple of West Coast schools that I say that have, have done a pretty good job overall. I, I would agree. You know, I, I don't follow the women's game as, as closely as I do the men's because I'm so busy uh, with, with my SB Live and my college basketball analyst work on the men's side. But mm -hmm. when I get a chance to watch a few minutes, I've always been impressed with Stanford. And then same thing with, with Gonzaga. I thought, you know, Kelly Graves is a terrific coach. He's doing great things at Oregon. But Coach Fortier, who you mentioned, uh, has not let that program slide at all. She's maybe taken it to the, the next level here in Spokane at GU. But um, next part I wanted to get to is people know a, who follow grassroots and or high school basketball hear a lot about um, different programs, the Nike EYBL on the boys' side. But there's also mm -hmm. Nike EYBL on the girls' side, as mm -hmm. well as I would imagine the Adidas uh, side. What are some of the better programs on the West Coast uh, in addition to your FBC program? Yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of them. California is really strong with girls' basketball. Um, there's actually four Nike programs in California alone. So, um, which didn't used to be the case, but it's, it's kind of getting a little bit more saturated, but there's West coast premier, who's a Nike YBL program, Cal swish, Cal stars, Cal sparks. Those are, um, some of the really strong Nike programs. 
there's been um, some new programs that have definitely uh, popped up. Um, Team Militant out of Northern California. There's an Adidas program called JBS out of Sacramento area. That's that's had some strong years. Um, but California is definitely very strong. Here in Washington, uh, we have Northwest Blazers, um, which has been based out of the Spokane area, essentially, although they're, they're pole players from all over the Northwest. Um, they're on the Under Armour circuit. Tree of Hope out of Seattle on the Nike circuit has been really strong. And uh, um, Northwest Greyhounds uh, on the Adidas circuit now is another program based out of the Seattle area. What What is a, is a differentiating factor for you when you look at how a lot of the former NBA players maybe have come back and being a part of the guys' grassroots setting? Um, what is the differentiating factor? Maybe not the differentiating factor, but maybe like – what is the what what players maybe on the WNBA side have come back and given back and been involved on the girls grassroots side to really kind of uh, spur the progress in the game? Because I agree with you, uh, a lot of NBA guys are very well tied into those programs. Yeah, uh, you know, Candace Parker's done done some stuff. She uh, she has had some different teams um, based out of the LA area before. And uh, um, she's also has a new team that's using her name out of the Florida area. I don't know the exact connection there, but Candace Parker's done some stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that there's some other WNBA players that are involved. Kia Nurse has a program out of Canada, I believe it is. Um, but uh, here in our area, there's there's not so much. Um, maybe we don't have the amount of WNBA players that have come out, um, out of the state of Washington. Um, but, uh, I'm hoping that that can change someday, but it, it definitely makes a difference because these young girls, they need women who have been in their position and gone through the emotions and the mental and, and the, the ups and downs of it, um, that they can look at and they can talk to. So that's one thing that I think is really important is, is trying to position, girls with um, mentors and people that look like them to look up to because the boys already have that. Sure. And that's so important, whether uh, you're in basketball or another sport or even in business, you kind of have a mentor mm -hmm. to look up to and, and get some advice and support from as somebody who's running a program uh, as successful mm -hmm. as your FBC program is becoming and you're evaluating uh, prospects to be able to be a, a, a solid sounding board. Um, what's the biggest message that, that you try to provide to parents and prospects? Because on the guy's side, there's a lot of um, unknowns out there. Unknowns meaning, you know, there's unrealistic expectations or people don't yeah. know the true process. Um, how do you try to help people navigate early stages of recruitment? Yeah, it, it's, it's really tough. I think that the, the lack of education, um, not only for the kids, but really the parents, because those are the ones that are investing and, and, and taking the time for their kid. I think that's a big area improvement that's needed on the boys and the girls side. Um, everybody thinks that they're going to play division one when they're in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And, and some people Will have no offers after their junior year and they still think they're going to play d1 <laughs> so i think that um just having those those honest conversations some people don't want to have them or uh um, maybe they do get a late offer but it's not the right fit 
sometimes that NAIA or that D2 or, or maybe taking the junior college route is the best way to go. And so um, sometimes we have to have hard conversations. And with some of my girls in the class of 2022, we have to have some hard conversations. And uh, um, I think that the more adults that are willing to do those, to be honest and to be upfront and, uh, and but still know, and let the girls know that you support them and you know, you're there for them. I think that uh, that would help the process a little bit. Well, Nars, I appreciate the time. I got one last question for you with the Olympics having just wrapped up uh, as well as your um, summer evaluation period having just wrapped up. Was there a player or two or maybe a country outside of Team USA uh, that you asked some of your players in your program to watch uh, that can be a, a, a great resource for learning the game or seeing the game in a different way? You know, a, a lot of the other countries, they have, they have some serious ballplayers. I think that um, Australia is always one of those um, countries that, for the most part, really plays a great team basketball and they're really physical as well. And uh, um, so Australia is definitely one of those countries that I, I would like the girls to watch just because they're, they're big, they're skilled, but the physicality that they play with is underrated in some of the other countries, sometimes more physical than us. Um, we're fortunate. We have some superior athletes, <laughs> but uh, there's, there's, there's some hoopers all over the world. Well, Nars, I appreciate the time. Uh, it's nice to catch up. Great to hear a little bit of insight on grassroots basketball at the at the girls into the women's college basketball scene. So, thanks for joining and thanks for being a supporter of SB Live Sports. Yes, absolutely. I appreciate your time and I look forward to uh, continuing to grow this game and, and hopefully link up with you more in the future. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.